You are listening to the One Man Show Network. Hey, Potskulls, and welcome to a special edition of the Aaron Says What podcast today i will be joined by internet sensation front row brian uh rather than waste my big introduction on him now i'm going to try to call him so uh stand by hello front row brian hey what's up man hey not much this is uh aaron weinbaum from the aaron says what podcast first of all a big uh thank you for agreeing to come on yeah no problem dude Hey, yeah, I've been a, I've actually been a fan for a while, so I, I, uh, I often check your Twitter feed for breaking <clears throat> news, or uh, obviously when news breaks, because I gotta say, your accuracy rate, you know, whoever your sources are, is pretty spot on. Yeah, yeah, you know, I don't have it a hundred percent, but a uh, few of them have turned out pretty good. Yeah, well, I, no one really does have it 100% anymore. There's there's so much coming at you, and there's so much that, you know, the UFC's trying to hide or wait until the last minute to break. There's so much that they they vehemently deny that ends up being true later. And so, you know, I, I just want to know. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, I mean, man. The other thing is, like, you know, people don't take into consideration, like, you know, when, when I said something at that moment in time, it was true. Right. You know, and then things change, you know, but... But I am a big mixed martial arts fan. You know, I'm by no means an expert, but I I like to watch. I like to read up on it. Um, And it's certainly a treat, you know, that that there's people out there that'll that'll tell it like it is, like you, for instance. And uh, without revealing too much, like, how did did Front Row Ryan come come about? Are you already recording? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, I am. I, I am. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, could, I could just give you a, a quick uh, rundown of how that started. Okay. I guess it was about 2007. I I had a, a small business that I started as a as a teenager, and it was it had front row in in the name of the business entity. So it was just kind of a it just kind of made sense front front row Brian. Um, <clears throat> Whereas a lot of people seem to take it more literal. You know, I, I used to have, you know, really good seats. I used to spend more money on them. Now I, I don't really care. You know, I, right. it, when, you, when you've been to like a hundred of them, it's just like, you know, just get in the building and get comfortable and, you know, um, I'm not going to spend a ton of money on stuff. But, um, yeah, so then uh, just started posting, I guess, on the underground forum. That was kind of the first. That back then, that was kind of a cool place to post and to talk about the sport, MMA.tv. And, you know, then uh, Twitter came on the scene. I think I was on there in 2009 and started to get a little bit of a following, you know, for the next couple of years. And then, you know, I, I got my hands on some, on some pretty interesting stories. Like, uh, I think it was the Nick Diaz positive drug test against Carlos Condit. I think that was kind of the one that 
put me on the map, so to speak, or, or broaden my, my audience or, and establish my voice within the community. And then from there, it's just kind of, it's kind of just been what you've seen, you know, uh, some breaking news, some, some, uh, you know, legitimate analysis business, because that's something that I'm, I'm really passionate and interested about. And, uh, and then comedy too, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I agree. Uh, you certainly nail it in the, in the comedy part. Yeah. It's funny too. And uh, I love, uh, there's another parody account. You know, I run the, the, the Dana White parody account. I run a Dana White parody account. I want to say it's the, you know, I have a lot of fun with that. I've made a lot of friends, you know, surprisingly. And, uh, there's another one out there, uh, the coach, the Edmund Treverian one that you seem to be a fan of, and he's, he's pretty good. Yeah, the the guy who does that, I, I do know who does it. Yeah, and and he's pretty good. He's he's pretty good at, at channeling what Edmund would say, you know, with uh, DNBs. Yes, and uh, he's he's ready to go on the attack on a moment's notice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a great account. And what's so funny about that account is it's tricks so many people. Like yes. he'll he'll say, you know, pick a fighter, and he'll say. Uh, the door's always open for you at Glendale Fight Club. <laughs> Fighter tweets back. It says, thanks, coach. Let me see if I can fit it into the schedule. Yeah, man. He, he's relentless, though. I mean, he, he goes after absolutely everybody. No shame. And it's crazy how many people bite. You know, I'm very clearly a parody. You know, I say it, you know, even in the name. You know, Dana White's not going to call himself Dana Unleashed or whatever. But I have people sending me messages, sending me their videos of their amateur fights. And I always got to say, I'm not, I'm not really Dana White. And they're like, oh, I know, I know. We, we just think you might know him. And, but, uh, you know, there's times I feel bad that people bite so hard. But I'm going to tell myself a little bit, the, uh, the Coach Edmund account, he gave, uh, we all know he tricked TMZ into giving him an interview, right? Yeah, that was funny. That, is, that was incredible. So I see this people interview come out, and he retweets it. And I read it, I'm like, this is ridiculous. And I, I had sent him a message. I had to ask him, like, well, this is not you, right? And he goes, no. And luckily he was gracious. He could have nailed me. It was the real Coach Edmund talking about Rhonda's workout or whatever. And it was just a crazy interview. Like, I, I didn't think it was real. Yeah, well, it sounded ridiculous. I mean, some of the, the quotes, I, I forget the exact quotes, but there were some things that didn't make any sense. That, like, you know, certain exercises that, even if you scoured Google, you, they were not, you couldn't find that exercise. Uh, you know, so I, I was a little, <laughs> I was a little, uh, suspicious myself. Well, 2000 punches uh, or something yeah, for Rhonda. <laughs> I don't know. If I mean, it's so ridiculous. I mean, it is like, why did, why did they do that story? It's like, you know, Rhonda's kind of the type that, you know, she's really only lean and mean when it comes to the fight. I mean, yeah. we can kind of see, the direction she's gone in, you know, since the Holly home fight. And, you know, I, I don't think she's coming back to be honest with you. I mean, if USC 200 didn't get her, her wheels spinning, if Madison square garden's not going to get her wheels spinning, Amanda Nunes called her out and, and, you know, she's been silent. Yep. I, I really think she's just milking these sponsors. Cause if she announced her retirement, there's some clause in, in those endorsement deals that would, would uh, you know change her compensation package? Uh, that was I was going to actually ask you that very question. Do you think she's coming back? You know, because I think I think her movie deals are about all but gone. There's no more Roadhouse remake. 
with Chad. There's also supposed to be something with Mark Wahlberg. Right. And I, I don't know exactly what happened there, but it kind of seemed like Mark Wahlberg was like, you know, he maybe gave a tentative to the to the production studio, say, yeah, I'll do the film. But then something better came along, and he's like, hey, I, I want to take this one. You know, maybe if we can fit this in at some point. You know, I, I saw I saw Rhonda got rumored for some Lifetime movies or something. Yeah, I saw that. I mean, if, you know, if she can make a living doing that, that's great. But I wouldn't be too bullish on, you know, because the talk before the Holly Holm fight that, you know, she was going to be the rock, the female rock right. of, of uh, film. And I, I don't see it. The, the charisma's not there. She's just... You know, uh, the look isn't there. Like, mm -hmm. all the qualities that you look for in a star, it's just not there. Yeah, you know, it, but, you know she's she's made for fighting, obviously, you know, in her dominant victories. And, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, she talked about retiring if she beat Holly Holm the first time. That was on her maybe list. You know, she might have said something. I don't specifically remember that. I think her thing was always she was going to retire before 30. Mm-hmm. And I think she's 29, so yeah. or she's going to be 30 in 2017. I'm pretty sure she was born in 87, so that would that would make her 30 next year. So I, you know, it, it's one of those things. It, it seems like it's it's everybody else talking about it. She she doesn't want to talk about it. No. And then you know the times where she has to go on these shows, you know, she'll kind of she'll. It's not this. Um, yeah, definitive, you know, I'm, I'm coming back to get my belt back. And, you know, it's like since the loss, you know, she, her, she needed to have her jaw, the, the jaw needed to heal. Yeah. That was a problem. You know, um, she's been in the gym very infrequently. She hasn't sought out a real coaching staff. She hasn't relocated to a real gym. So it's like, you know, that was the whole thing. You know, there's like Daniel Cormier, said, you know, her shortcomings in the stand-up game, she needs to, you know, get with a coach, get with somebody who knows what they're talking about, and, and just work on getting better for a year. I don't think she's been in the gym. Like, the times she's been in the gym, it, and, you know, they have the paparazzi all over. So if, if she was if she was working out continually, it, you know, if she was in there regularly, we'd know about it. You know, she, she goes on a hunting trip in South Texas, <laughs> Facebook's going crazy. Oh, I just met Rhonda at a gas station. I met Rhonda <laughs> at, at Walmart or something. You know, we, we would know about it. And, you know, even she's following around Travis Brown when he was in camp for his fight at UFC 200. Wow. So it was like, it, make, it would make perfect sense. Like, why couldn't she get a workout in, you know, while, while he's working out if she's just following him around? And, um, you know, there's all kinds of sightings of her in Las Vegas, and but not at gyms. No, maybe you know at Starbucks, but not at gym. <laughs> so I, I'm not I'm not too bullish on on her coming back. But you know maybe uh, maybe sometime in 2017, 2018, you know the movies yeah slow down or come to a screeching halt, and she'll want to come back. You know for for a money grab. Well, you know I'm thinking the same thing. And by the way, that Travis Brown fight, how brutal is that? Is is Kane just that good, or is Coach Edmund just that bad? Well, I, I don't. Yeah, I think Kane. Kane, when he's healthy, man, is 
and he's when he's at sea level, That's right? right? <laughs> sea you know, level king. He's he's pretty vicious, man. He's a he's a tiger. Yeah, you know, he's got that incredible gas tank, and he's he's just he's nasty. I mean, oh, um, those two. You know, I'm, I'm starting to believe that maybe that uh, maybe that uh, you know altitude thing was was actually a legitimate excuse. Yeah, I mean, maybe he looked just like he always looks. I mean, they're never. I mean, you're right. They're never like these, you know, beautiful fights. They are nasty five round grinds, you know. And Travis just didn't make it, you know, out of the round. But yeah, I I think that Kane, you know, I think he's, you know, I'd like to see him against like an Alistair, you know, or against a Stipe, someone someone that may be able to keep him at bay with their striking. But I I don't see it. I I see him getting in there and getting the job done. Yeah, those are, those are interesting matchups. You know, we got Overeem versus Steve Bay coming up September 10th. You know, I I like both of those guys. You know, I, I know Alistair better than I know Steve Bay, yeah. but both great guys. I um, I think Alistair's going to find a way to win. Uh, I don't I don't think people give Alistair credit for his non-striking ability. You know, his non-striking tool set or mm-hmm. skill set. This guy, this guy can wrestle. You know, it's, I mean, he was a, a he was built differently when he fought Lesnar, but <laughs> you know, Lesnar tried to take him down, and you know, he he didn't budge a, a centimeter. You know, th- this is a guy that you're not. It's gonna be extremely difficult to you know shoot a double or shoot a single and get Alistair on the mat. I mean, it, it, you can do it. Yeah, but Alistair is really, you know, it, one, the other issue with him you know, when he lost to Travis Brown, for example, was his gas tank. You know, he, he could fight for about two or three minutes, and, and then and then that was it. Now it's a completely different Alistair. You know, he's like 240 pounds mm-hmm. instead of 265. He's, uh, he's really been invented since going to Jackson's. So, I, you know, I, I'm going to go with Alistair in that fight against Stipe. It's a tough one, though. It's tough to handicap heavyweight MMA because, you know, if if the glove touches the guy's chin somewhat clean, yeah, that could be it. That could be it right there. It, it's just so tough to handicap. But yeah. you know, Kane uh, versus the winner. You know, if Kane's healthy, uh, man, you know, it's it's a real interesting fight. I mean, it's, uh, I think a healthy Kane, you know, maybe the only guy that could beat him. In my estimation, would be Overeem and his teammate Daniel Cormier. Yeah, well, DC man. Well, you, those are all great points. You know, I I think people underestimate Stipe too. I mean, he's man. That guy is an athlete all around. He played baseball. He wrestled in college. You know, and and now he's transitioned to MMA. He's got a job on top of all that, which you know, some people say that that could hurt him a little bit because he doesn't put his you know his full time best efforts into training. But I I don't know. You know, he's just that good of an athlete and he seems like a, a very good guy as well i think it's going to be a good fight because you know uh, whatever here whatever he's doing he's uh he's doing right i mean yeah. you know another guy is a firefighter chris lytle he was a guy who you know was an excellent fighter and he was never a full-time fighter he always had a full-time job and it didn't seem to affect him either you know i i think a lot of people put a little bit too much stock in, oh, he's, he's not a full-time fighter. They get this idea that to, to be 
you know, an elite MMA fighter that you need to be training six or seven or eight hours a day. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, you can go, you can do two workouts, you know, um, 90 minutes. If you can't get it done in 90 minutes, I don't know what you're doing in there, you know? So if, if you're doing, if you're going twice a day, 90 minutes, do one in the morning and one at night. I mean, I, and then you go to work in between, yeah. you know, I, it's, it's not an easy day, but it's, it's, it's a day that if, if you're really motivated, you can pull off. So well, you I, I think a, a lot of guys, a lot of guys just want to be, they, they want that, they want to be pro fighters and, you know, they want to go to practice in the morning and then practice at night and they want to play video games all day <laughs> and, you know, say, oh, I'm a, I'm a full-time pro fighter. And then they wonder why, they wonder why they, they don't make any money and then, you know, they, they lose three or four, you know, matches and then they, they wonder why they don't have any opportunities you know, any, um, anything on their resume that, that will help them transition to a more traditional career. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's some weird things going on with training these days too. Look at, uh, look at Michael Bisbean on what, two weeks, not even two weeks notice. And, uh, you know, he just got in the workouts he needed to get in. He, he did enough, you know, he was in good enough shape already where he could make weight and <laughs> look what he did to Luke Rockold. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was I, I really think that was a, a situation where Rockhold walked in there, and he was dealing with some, pers- with some personal stuff, too, you know. Yeah. Um, he was at a, a situation there where, and, you know, a call could have come in that, that his dad had passed. His dad was, was in hospice care. Oh, so, know. you know, that, that you know that's, that's a tough thing to have over here. But I think Rockhold walked in there and said, you know, this guy, I embarrassed him last time. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even a close fight. This guy is terrible. He's a lot older. There is no possible way this guy could beat me, even on my worst day. He walked in there incredibly overconfident. And, uh, you know, I mean, this thing as a, as a world champion to me is, is comical. <laughs> this is a guy who I wouldn't, I wouldn't even rank in the top six or seven fighters in that weight class. Wow. That's and what's funny, we got a, we got a world title. We got a world title fight October 8th in, in Manchester. Yeah. This thing, you know, maybe eighth best in the division. Uh, maybe Dan Henderson's maybe 11th or 12th best in the division. And that's your world title fight. And, and, and there is a good chance Dan Henderson stops him again. You just never know, man, if he touches it. Look, that was the weirdest knockout ever against Tucker Lombard. I mean, his elbow just turned him to dust. You know, you just never know. Yeah. And, you know, Bisping... You never know. Bisping, talent-wise, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. But he's always there, and he's always fighting. You know what I mean? He's had some tough fights against some guys that have tested positive for uh, some uh, performance-enhancing drugs. I don't think Chael actually ever did during their fight. But, you know, you, you got Vitor, who kicked his eye out, basically. And, and yeah. I, I don't know. He's always there. I mean, I, I always watch him fight. That Antrim fight was the strangest fight ever. But, uh, you know, I yeah, that, that was strange. It was like, it was like Anderson, like, do you want to win this fight or not? It's like, he could have won the fight. He was just but like, really tentative, just wouldn't, you know, wouldn't, you know, turn the, turn the gas on. Um, it was, it was just very weird. Anderson's kind of a, kind of a weird guy at, at this point. He is. And, you know, 
there's nothing that didn't happen in that Cormier fight with Anderson Silva I didn't think was going to happen. What's 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 Daniel Cormier going to do? Is he going to risk his legacy and stand with a guy he's never, you know, he didn't train for? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I think he did what he needed to do to win. People are dogging him, but what are you going to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, watching it live, I was like, I, I just walked out. I mean, it was, <laughs> I, I didn't like it. I just walked out and went and got another beer. But, you know, when, once I kind of, you know, took inventory of the situation. I understood why he had to do what he had to do. But, you know, that was also the UFC. I mean, the UFC wanted him on that card so yeah. they could pay him his pay-per-view bonus. And it's just like, hey, why don't you why don't you put him on a different card against a real opponent, somebody that's, you know, not 41 years old and, you know, coming in with a, with a big gut and, you know, <laughs> clearly out of shape. You know, why don't you put him on another card and just pay him the same money that he would have gotten? Uh, you know, I, I know accounting-wise, you know, that that might be difficult to explain in your filings, but, I mean, isn't there something you could do? Like, say, okay, here, you know, let's redo your deal. Let's, you know, if you were going to make $4 million, all right, let's, let's do uh, a $2 million signing bonus or, you know, add some money to his Fox deal. There was creative ways. Of, of doing it, but yeah. they, they just seemed hell bent on having him on that card, even though, you know, Anderson came in on, on what, 48 hours notice. Yeah. And, you know, he was, he was incredibly out of shape. And, you know, you, you, you couple that with, with DC not wanting to take any chances. And, you know, the end result was a really boring fight and the, the fans lost right there. So I, I would have preferred, I would have preferred not it not to have happened. Well, or why not put it on the top of like the Fox card or something, you know, because it would have brought in viewers, you know, but it probably would have lost viewers in the end too in hindsight, I guess. But did, did it still need to be like the top three of the pay-per-view? Well, I think you could, you could have put it on 202. You could have put, put Cormier versus maybe, you know, Anthony Johnson on yep. 202. You know, and just say, hey, you know, you're going to have to wait another six weeks to fight, but financially we're going to make it up to you. Glover's you're, looking you're still like going to get that $4 or $5 million payday. Yeah, Glover's looking you know, like a monster lately, yeah, too. They were just scrambling. They, they had put a, a lot of money into advertising for 200 and I, I guess they thought that, you know, Anderson's name, Anderson's name does mean something, you know, but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, that, that card... It didn't do all that well, you know. It did about a little bit over a million. Yeah, I think. I think even if you pull Cormier and don't do the Anderson fight, it's still doing about a million, a million one. You don't think it helped it? I don't think it helped it either. I and then you got you got two hundred two. That's probably going to beat it. But I I can't I can't go through this podcast without mentioning I'm a I'm a Mizzou guy. I, I graduated from there. How about Tyron Woodley last week? And did you see that coming? You know, I I thought if. if you know, he would have to get after him within the first seven to eight minutes. You know, it's just, I know Woodley doesn't like to hear about it, but he does slow down. You know, he, he is kind of a front runner, yep. but he's got a lot of power in his hand. And one of the things about Woodley has been, you know, no one has ever doubted his talent, you know, as a wrestler, as an MMA fighter, just seems to fall short under the bright lights on the big stages. And that was something in the back of my mind. I was like, he's got the physical tools 
to to beat Robbie Lawler. You know, um, Robbie Lawler really, you know, if you look at his title reign, I mean, who has he beaten convincingly? I mean, right. of course, he made Rory basically quit, but up until that point, he was down on the cards three to one, I believe. So it's not like Robbie Lawler is unbeatable. You know, he's one of the more exciting guys. You know, I, I even scored the Condit fight live. I scored Condit over Waller. Really? I, mean, I would need to see it again, um, you know, to, to really give you a conclusive score. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was possible because it wasn't like, you know, Waller was just killing guys. It's not like he was the John Jones of his division no. or something like that. I thought it was possible. And it would it would, leave, would would need to take care of business early for it to happen and, and, and it, that's the way it turned out. Well, yeah, because those fourth and fifth rounds, like Lawler looks, um, it's it's incredible how much steam he gains. You know, it's just overwhelming. And he he, you know, he gets to it. But you're right, he started a little tentatively or whatever happened. You know, and you know, not taking away from Tyron Woodley, Tyron Woodley is just wicked fast too. I mean, he he, I mean, he was just there, and that right hand was just there. You know what I mean? Yeah, and Woodley's one of those guys, you know, with USADA, he, he, he looks he looks now exactly the same as he did before USADA. Yeah. Which which tells me that that he's that he's 100% clean and he's on the up and up. He just he just has a uh, you know, great genetics. He's uh obviously trains hard. But um yeah, I mean he, he just looks exactly the same. He he looks like a mini Rashad Evans, if Rashad <laughs> Evans, you know, really watched his diet and, and trained harder. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, that's that's really true. And you know, speaking of Usada, who, man, well, Brock Lesnar. I mean, I've not heard anything about him. You know, since since it was announced, it was estrogen blockers. I mean, do you think that ever gets resolved? Do you think he ever comes back and says, "Yeah, I did something," or do you think it's just he's done forever and everyone's going to forget about him? I don't think everyone's going to forget about it. I, I think the state of Nevada is going to go after him yeah. and levy a hefty fine against him because his disclosed salary was $2.5 million. There's never been a disclosed purse like that in UFC history. Usually, you know, the way these UFC purses, like like John Jones, like for example, you know, they, they might guarantee him 3 to $4 million. But the mm-hmm. figure that goes to the commission is five hundred thousand. Right. So, like, the most they could find John. I don't think John will get fined, at, you know, because he didn't actually fight. So, I, I don't think they will find him. Now, Lesnar did fight, and I, I could definitely see them saying, "All right, you know, five hundred thousand, seven hundred thousand. And the thing with the with the state athletic commissions, especially Nevada, who takes this so seriously is the attorney general of the state of Nevada will go after him. And there are ways to really mess with people and and place liens on their property. And Brock still has property in the United States. Right. And, you know, Alexandria, Minnesota. You know, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know if, if he could put it in his wife's name or, or you know, uh, cut it. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know if, if working for an American-based company, if the state of Nevada could cause some issue with WWE, I just 
I just don't see Nevada laying down. I think they're going to say, you fought in our cage under, you know, using, uh, you failed two tests, and, and you fought in our cage, and we're going to come after you. We're going to find you a lot of money. Well, was it, uh, um, was it Uriah Faber that mentioned criminalizing this at one point? You know, like, what if somebody gets hurt, and then it comes out, you know, the guy that hurt somebody was on steroids, you know, during their fight, knowingly, knowingly, uh, you know, taking performance-enhancing drugs. You know, at what point is it attempted murder or, or something crazy? And I, I read that the first time. I thought that was crazy, but I'm like, well, well, yeah, that could happen. What do you think about that? I, uh, you know, I mean, I, I know, I know, some people have said that that's a, that's ridiculous, but you know, if you look at Vitor Belfort, you know what he did to Michael Bisping yeah. and Luke Rockhold. You know, he doesn't do that if he's not, if the UFC and and the Brazilian Athletic Commission, if they don't allow him to cheat. I mean, they, they, mm-hmm. the UFC knew he was cheating. He was cheating. The Deadspin did an article on it. They covered up a um, a test where his his testosterone levels were just completely through the roof. So they knew what they were doing. That's why they stashed him in Brazil. Brazil has a doctor that is, is basically just a fan you know, if he brought him to the United States, he probably wouldn't even qualify to be a veterinarian. Wow. And he was giving these guys copious amounts of testosterone and all kinds of performance-enhancing drugs. So, to me, that there's a lot of, in that situation, you know, I mean, imagine the discovery if this thing brought lawsuit against Vitor Belfort and the enablers that allowed that match to happen. I, I think it, it'd be really shocking what we would find out, you know, if all the key players were disposed, uh, deposed, you know. Um, but I, I think it's a fair, it's a, it's a fair um, conversation to have that if a guy is on these types of drugs and, and he, you know, severely injures another person, you know, there's some culpability to, to the person who, took the steroids or took the performance enhancement and drugs there's culpability for anyone who was an accessory to uh providing those those substances you know i i I would have to talk to more people about it just to to kind of see but i don't i don't think it's that outlandish to you know to think is a a legitimate argument well imagine if Imagine all the noise Mark Hunt would be making. He's making a lot of noise now if he would have been seriously hurt in that fight, you know? And he was never able to fight again. You know, that he 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 certainly he certainly would have raised more fuss than he's raising now. It wouldn't be more about you know, he he'd want more than just Brock's purse, I would think, you know. Yeah, I mean I'm a I'm a bit torn with the Mark Hunt situation because he knew what he was getting into, you know, and he even said in the media, I don't care if he's on steroids, I'm still going to knock his head off, something along those lines. So it was like, you know, when, when you fight Brock Lesnar, who's coming back, you know, after five years, you know, being able to use everything under the sun, you know, you know exactly what you're getting into. I mean, he's got a television set, he's got an internet connection, he can take a look at the way Brock's body has transformed since his last UFC run. And it's obvious, you know, he's been using his entire run here with WWE. So he knew what he was getting into. 
the UFC raised his pay to $700,000. And uh, I, I think it's a little disingenuous to, to start bitching right now. You know, after the UFC took care of him financially, he knew absolutely what he was up against. And, you know, he wanted to fight with one of the biggest draws in the history of the sport. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you get what you want, but there's also some th- some not-so-great things that come with that. Mm-hmm. And it, it just so happens that, <laughs> that Lesnar is what, what we always thought he was, you know, just a, a juice head. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, duh. Yeah, of course the guy was on something. Look at him. You know, I, I, I really think Mark Hunt is, he's trying to get released and, um, you know, maybe he gets released, uh, you know, just to shut up. I think that's why he's been so aggressive with his name calling and just being super negative in the media is he's hoping that UFC will say, you know what, this guy's, this guy's like 42 years old and, you know, if we if we just make a clean cut here and we, we let you go, uh, can we just not say anything bad about each other? And you know, maybe he goes and fights a, a couple more times in, in Ryzen in Japan or something like that. <laughs> I know there's some good matches for him there. Yeah. I could see that happening. I could see that too. You know, uh, I think I think Wanderlei. There's talking him fighting in Ryzen. Um, now, do you think? This is way out. This is you know way out of way. Is there any way now that Brock Lesnar and John Jones make the UFC Hall of Fame? I yeah, I, I think so. Uh, John Jones for sure. You know, no question about John Jones. You know, th- this isn't this isn't um, you know the Baseball Hall of Fame where they hold stuff against you. But the, the other thing is, you know, being a UFC Hall of Famer, what? What does it mean? What? What is there a financial windfall? Uh, I, I don't. I don't think anybody really cares. Yeah. You know, this year they did the UFC Hall of Fame induction on a Sunday, the day after two hundred, and you know there was nobody there in the middle of the of the expo. It's like, you know, is there any is there any value? Now getting into the Baseball Hall of Fame, there is a lot of pres- prestige. It's probably the most prestigious professional sports hall of fame. You know, it, it's, I can't really, you know, it just seems like a, so much bigger of a deal to be a baseball hall of famer than to be NFL hall of fame or NBA hall of fame. Um, so I, I think the bottom, the bottom line is I don't think either of those guys care if they're in the hall of fame. Yeah. You know, they're not going to be like Pete Rose, you know, begging to get in. Right. Um, Lesnar, Lesnar, I mean, you know, they, they can cover this up. I mean, you know, we, we might not even remember this in a couple of years. That's true. Uh, so they might be able to throw them in the Hall of Fame, and if they do, you know, there might be a couple of geeks on the Internet saying, <laughs> oh, you let a guy taking drugs into the Hall of Fame, and it's just like, well, you know, Mark Coleman's in there and Don Fryer in there, and I'm sure they were totally clean throughout their entire fighting careers, you know, so... Yeah, that's true, man. Those are really good points. So what does this say about the WWE's uh, drug testing for steroids? Or do they not test for the same things? Well, there's a loophole there. You know, Brock Lesnar is not a full-time performer for for WWE. So a little loophole there, and it's been talked about that Brock has it in his contract that he can't be tested. So basically, he could do whatever he wants 
So WWE is in a position where they really can't punish him because, you know, they, they agreed that, that he is not subject to their wellness policy. And they call it a wellness policy rather than a, you know, a, a performance-enhancing drug program. So, yeah, it, it just seems like WWE will just sweep this under the rug. Uh, it, it's possible in future contracts, you know, but, the, you know, there's pro- the, the problem is there's not too many Brock Lesnar's out there. So it's like, you know, how many, how many of these guys are they, are they going to have as a non-full-time performer? You know, are they going to bring in Bill Goldberg or something? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's, I think it's, it's what everybody thought it was. You know, there, yeah. there's, there's tests, you know, Triple H not getting tested, right? You know, Brock Lesnar not getting tested. But they'll, they'll test Roman Reigns, you know, just to kind of tell the other boys, hey, you know, Roman Reigns is the main eventer, and he just tested positive. So you guys better be careful. Well, I haven't watched wrestling in a long time, but I think even Randy Orton's been popped at least once that I remember. I think twice. Yeah, okay, I think you're right, too. And uh, yeah, I used to watch it quite a bit. I don't have the time anymore. It's just one of those things. I either got to watch. I can't watch some of it and leave it alone. If I watch wrestling, I have to watch. Like I really have to watch every every show, you know. But sure. all right. So, are there any fights tonight that interest you? It is uh, UFC Rodriguez versus Caceres. I guess it's UFC Fight Night ninety two. No, not really. Just Chris Camozzi. You know, I, I know him a little bit. He's a good guy. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I don't, I don't really care about any of the other fights, other than Kamosi. Really, really, really. Uh, now, Alex Caceres, didn't he quit on the stool during the Ultimate Fighter? I, am I remembering that correctly? I don't know, man. You tell me. I haven't watched <laughs> Ultimate Fighter probably in ten years. Oh, really? Oh, wow, wow, wow. Yeah, I, I, I want to see the Caceres fight. I like, uh, I like Dennis Bermudez. I, I, I think he's tough. Uh, Kamosi's got a tough fight ahead of him, though, with with uh, ladies for sure. But I, I'd like I'd like to see him come out of it, man. And then uh, Cub Swanson. Yeah, you're, you're right. It, it's definitely is a free card, you know. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, listen, I yeah. I uh, I appreciate you coming on for sure. I got one more closing question for you. Does Ben Askren ever fight for the UFC? I don't think so. I he said several times that. He'll retire with one championship, yep. and it sounds like you know his hope after that, and that retirement's going to be sooner rather than later. Maybe three or four more fights, and I I think he'll move into kind of a brand ambassador or executive type role to try to grow one brand here in North America, and and you know also do some stuff like what Rich Franklin does for them now, right in Asia. Um, and then, you know, uh, maybe open up more wrestling academies. You know, his real passion is lies with wrestling. He, it's, it's his life. He loves it. Um, and then they, you know, he, he's a competitor. He wants to win at everything. MMA, I, I never got the sense it's, it's his love. It's just, it's something that he can make a lot of money doing and he's good at it. He, yeah. his passion is his wrestling academies. And coaching kids, I uh, so I, I I see him, you know, within the next eighteen months to two years, just basically uh, 
you know, concentrating on the wrestling academies and moving to a, a front office role with one championship. Now, who knows if if the, the fans demand it and the UFC wants to take out the checkbook, you know, for, for a ton of money, you know, then maybe he does it. But definitely not in the plans right now from, from my conversations with him. Yeah, wow. I mean, I'd love to see him in the UFC, but you know what? Good for him, you know? Good for him. And uh, I, I don't yeah. think... I don't think I, I think people need to realize he makes a lot of money. He makes a yeah. lot of money in one championship. You know, he's, he's one of the top three or four highest paid guys in that weight class in the world. You know, so he's making a lot of money and he's putting away a lot of money. So he doesn't need to do, he doesn't need to do this until he's, he might not even need to do this until he's 35. He's, he's 32 right now. So, well, you know, good for him. I mean, you know what? And, and there's guys that make way more money than him. They don't put anything away and they're not ready when they retire and they're, and they're clamoring on to this for the rest of their lives. It looks like he's going to get out of this, you know, at a, at, at a fairly young age and, and he's, you know, nobody's beating him. So, so, you know, as much as yeah, I'd like to see him exactly. in the UFC, you, you got to do what you got to do. I, I don't want to see, you know, a 40-year-old Ben Askren just coming to the F- UFC, you know, and uh, he's got nothing to prove anymore, in my opinion. Yeah, and I th- you know, he, he shares the same opinion. You know, he's he's in this, he's a prize fighter. He's, he's not in this for, you know, to say he's in the UFC. He wants to go where he's appreciated the most and, and one championship has has done that the last few years that he's been with them. So, you know, I mean, maybe if that contract, he signed a new contract, maybe when that runs out, you know, if there's a, a big match for him in the UFC, he'll consider it. But, or, or maybe by Ben Bellator is throwing around even more money. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, I, but I think, you know, he would need to get the blessing from, from one championship because he wants to continue that relationship beyond his fighting career. All right. Well, uh, with that, hey, I, I can't tell you how much uh, I appreciate you coming on. And, and uh, you know, is there anything else you'd like to get off your chest before we uh, say our goodbyes? No, man. No, I, I appreciate it. Good talking to you. You too, man. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything. All right. Well, hey, man, uh, sorry about the recording confusion when we first came on. And uh, I hope to talk to you again sometime. Okay, sounds good, dude. All right, Take thank care. you. Bye-bye. Wow, so what a blast. That was Front Row Brian. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Front Row Brian. And until next time, shalom. You are listening to The One Man Show.